And we welcome you into another edition of Gateway to Baseball Heaven. I'm your host, Daniel Shoptaw, C70 at the bat at C70 on Twitter. With me, as always, Tara Wellman from Birds on the Black and at Tara Wellman on Twitter. The Cardinals, well, they had another week like pretty much every other week in 2021, it feels like. They won a couple of games by really, really hitting the ball um, everywhere and then lost a lot of games when they didn't. Um, Tara, uh, you know, lost both series this week, two games, lost two games to the national two out of three there, lost two out of three to the Phillies. Um, this is after losing two out of three to the Brewers and losing two out of three to the Reds. Thank goodness for that Marlin series. Is this team, I mean, we knew it had some problems. Is it just a slow start or is it something to be concerned about? I think it's impossible to not be concerned because I don't know if they know this or not, but you win more games um, when you score runs. Someone should probably tell them that if they don't know at this point, because it's a a, a much higher success rate as far as uh, I can calculate um, that you win more games when you are actually scoring runs. You know, I don't think it's unfair to be concerned, not necessarily in terms of the potential, right? Because we've seen that a couple of times where they do explode and they hit home runs all over the place. They hit doubles. They move runners around the bases. They take advantage of mistakes by the opposing pitcher or by the opposing defense. They do all of those things every once in a while. So it's not as if that potential doesn't exist. It's what's happening in between the games where they score 9, 11, 13 runs and the games where they score zero runs in back-to-back-to-back days. There's something different happening there, whether it's a matter of preparation in terms of the expectations of the opposing pitcher or the execution of whatever the game plan is. And I think why I am maybe more concerned than I would have been in years past is because we're supposed to be past the hard part of the learning curve with Jeff Albert, right? So if this is a, a philosophy, if this is a, a a game plan, you know, approach at the plate kind of problem, well, it, it hasn't seemingly gotten any better as far as consistency is concerned in the last couple of years for the guys who are there and have been trying to absorb and adapt to this, whatever this, this mystery system is that it's really hard to quantify because, you know, Jeff Albert doesn't do a whole lot of uh, press and he's not out there really explaining what they're trying to do, which is fair because you don't want to give anyone an advantage against you. But I mean, not like it would matter right now. Right? Maybe you do want to tell them what you're trying to do, so that they—they, they, I don't, I don't think it would make a difference whether they knew or not at this point, because the execution just isn't there. And I think it's fair to be concerned about that, while recognizing lots of eventually good teams end up struggling, whether it's out of the gate or at some point in the middle of the season, where you think, well, this is where that all ends. So, I think it's okay to recognize both. Yeah, I mean, there are just a handful of teams right now. I think I counted up about five that are more than a game over 500 in the in the National League. So, you know, a lot of teams are kind of going through the same kind of growing pains problems. It's just the fact that we've seen this for a number of years now. We've seen this, you know, all of a sudden just blow up. Well, we, we knew, right, that, okay, they put out this lineup against Strasburg. They're probably going to wind up scoring a lot of runs. <laughs> 
But on the flip side of that was they would score nothing the next day, which is exactly what they did. Um, you know, it is a little bit predictable in that case. You know, we're, we're hearing a lot as we talk about Jeff Albert and his approach and stuff. We're hearing a lot this year about everybody hitting the ball hard. We've got people like Paul Goldschmidt at the top of the leaderboards of, you know, exit velocity and barrels and the hard hit velocity, hard hit percentages and stuff like that. I mean, everybody seems to be pretty high on a lot of those metric leaderboards. It just hasn't translated into results. And now I remember what was it? It was two, three years. It was 2018. It was 2018 when we had a lot of these same things we said about Matt Carpenter that, okay, he's hitting the ball hard and eventually it's going to come. And sure enough, it did. I mean, that that stretch um, for three months or, or whatever it was in 2018, he was amazing. Um, but so far, you'd think out of, I mean, except for the fact that Yadier Merlina somehow um, has defied all age for things and is continuing to do like it's 2012 for him. Um, nobody else has really fully committed to this. Even though they're hitting the ball hard, the results aren't there. So is this something a little bit weird with the metrics? Is this okay? We're going to have, it's going to come or is it just weird? Uh, that's the million dollar question, right? <laughs> um, I think the, the idea behind they're hitting the ball hard. It'll start falling eventually is not new. Right. Mm -hmm. That's a concept. That's a a philosophy, a a catchphrase, whatever you want to call it. That's something that people in and around baseball have known and have said for a long time, because the idea is if you're able to hit the ball hard, it means you're hitting the ball well. It means you're seeing the ball well enough to hit it. You're just hitting it right at somebody or whatever the case may be. So, you know, some of that is luck. Some of that is they just happen to be in the right position. Some of it is all of those things. What I think gets a little bit convoluted with the analytics that we have available now is that you just rattled off three or four different stats that all mean they're hitting the ball hard, (laughs) right? Barrel rate, hard hit percentage, Mm -hmm. exit velocity, all those things basically mean the same thing, which is that they're seeing the ball well enough to hit it hard. So when you start listing three or four or five different stats that suggest, oh, these numbers look really good, it starts to maybe feel like it means more than they're hitting the ball really hard. (laughs) Because each one of those stats requires context for it to mean anything. You know, you can pull out of context the fact that every time the first guy off the bench hits the ball, he hits it hard. You can even say that, you know, his hard hit rate in terms of the at-bats he gets is good. But if he's only getting three at-bats in, you know, two and a half weeks, then you're, you're, point is, numbers can be skewed with a lack of context. So, The whole idea of, well, they're hitting the ball hard, their exit velocity is good, their hard hit rate is good, their barrel rate is good, their, you know, whatever, whichever one you want to pick out of there that means (laughs) they're hitting (laughs) the ball hard, it still doesn't do anything more than tell you they're hitting the ball hard, which forever in baseball has been a good sign, but 
whether it's one guy with the eye test saying they're hitting the ball hard or six different stats that tells you the same thing without the next part of that, which is either context and or results, it doesn't mean anything. And so I think it's it's easy to be frustrated by the repetition of this idea. Well, they're hitting the ball hard. Well, great. You don't get points in baseball for hitting the ball hard. So unless that materializes into some sort of results or unless there's additional context to those analytics that you have available that can show you, okay, why aren't they generating results even if they're hitting the ball hard, then those numbers in isolation don't really tell us a whole lot. And that's, I think, where we are now living in this land of, wait a second, they're they're high in the rankings in each of these categories, they don't have the results to show for it. So can you use that as a mechanism to say it's coming, just wait? Or is it just numbers kind of pulled without context that don't mean anything if the results don't follow? Yeah, I mean, that's absolutely fair. And, uh, you know, like Mike Schultz said today, it's not, I mean, you'd much rather have hard contact than soft contact. If you're seeing a lot of, you know, you know, a lot of ground balls to the infield, that's, you know, you maybe you want to change your approach. Now, the other thing, flip side of that is the Cardinals are striking out a lot of batters. And that's, I, I mean, a good way to short circuit anything because, you know, a double is great. If you strike out three times after it, then, you know, what good is it? Um, Which is also not a new problem. No, no, <laughs> it is not. And it is not a Cardinal centric problem either, no, honestly. No. I mean, that, you know, strikeouts are up everywhere. I mean, that's just part of the thing. It's one of the reasons baseball is talking about moving the mound back, which seems like a very weird and potentially dangerous maneuver. But, you know, when does baseball ever thought things out? Um, I don't know. I mean, I just don't know. I mean, it's easy enough for us, I think, to trust that Paul Goldschmidt is going to come around because he, you know, he's hitting the ball very hard and he has a track record of being really a good player. Um, it's a little bit harder for us to then buy into the Matt Carpenter of 2021 having some sort of breakout when, yes, he's still hitting the ball hard, if you will, but, you know, the, the most... The most interesting graphic I think that's out there right now is Matt Carpenter's spray chart, where it's the little bunt single and the home run. I mean, it's all that's on there. Um, and it's hard for us to really continually buy into this idea that hitting the ball hard is going to work for him, right? I mean, yeah. I'm not saying he's not. And obviously, I think he's going to be better than two for 29, probably, or whatever he is right now. But there's a long way between better than two for 29 and actually replacement level or even good. Um, and I don't know if the, the speed of the ball coming off the bat is enough to get him up the ranks like that. Right. Well, that's where, for me, there has to be additional context. Mm. That, that fact in and of itself isn't enough, right? Because... If part of Matt Carpenter's problem, and I've sort of, <laughs> I've sort of uh, alluded to this before, that I think insisting that Matt Carpenter's problem is the shift just sort of ignores <laughs> other 
other issues that that may be involved there and simplifies it too much. But if part of Matt Carpenter's struggle is that he's so predictable that other teams can shift to exactly where he hits the ball more often than not, it really doesn't matter what the exit velocity is off the bat if he's still hitting it into the very shift that is you know, the idea is that's what's causing this decline, or at least part of it. Mm-hmm. So that comes in into play. The other thing is you can hit the ball really hard and not hit it over the head of the infielder. <laughs> and it doesn't matter that you hit the ball really hard more often than not. Now, some of those are going to get through a hole. Some of those are going to go off a glove or whatever. But simply hitting the ball with a high exit velocity doesn't tell you all the other pieces going into that what how are those outs being generated because if it's a ground ball right at the second baseman or if it's a ground ball right at somebody shifted into a spot where Matt Carpenter always hits a ground ball or if it's you know whatever it might be if it's even if it's a a screaming line drive right at the right fielder (laughs) who's positioned where Matt Carpenter hits screaming line drives too um those are all factors that play into why exit velocity and hard hit rate aren't enough for this team right now so I think for me I love the 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 way that some of these numbers can break a a, an at bat or a player or a result apart and you can go Mm -hmm. oh that's really cool that that works that way but to me any one of those stats it's like when everybody wanted to to rag on launch angle right (laughs) <laughs> the idea is you hit it over the head of the, the the fielders. Okay, that's that's the important part of launch angle is that you're hitting it at a, an exit angle that it's not going to get caught. <laughs> but right. everybody, you know, kind of ragged on that for a season, saying, "Oh, exit or launch angle, this launch angle, that you teaching this." Okay, that's fine. But even launch angle in a vacuum tells me nothing. <laughs> so the. I guess, and I'm sort of, I've sort of veered off the Matt Carpenter track because with Matt Carpenter in particular, I feel like the last three seasons, at least the Cardinals have tried so hard to utilize that data in a way that Mm -hmm. can create results. And all they've done is give Matt Carpenter and those of us watching from home convoluted data that still doesn't tell us why he's not generating results. And that, to me, has to be very frustrating from the standpoint of you keep giving me more information. You keep telling me this is good. This is good. This is good. But it's not good if it's not generating results. You know, it's kind of we talked in spring training when Matt Carpenter was over, you know, 35 or whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And we were saying, you know, guys work on stuff in the spring. Right. But there's no there's nothing that you work on. That is made better by going over 35. So at some point, what you're working on or what you're working from in terms of information isn't really good if it's not generating the results that you need it to generate. And and for Matt Carpenter, I, I worry that there's a little bit of paralysis in the idea that what I'm doing is okay because these three numbers are still good. And while those might play a part, they're clearly not the entirety of the story or we wouldn't see Matt Carpenter with just two hits on the season. Yeah. I mean, Matt Carpenter has 29 at-bats. He has, I guess, probably 33, 34 plate appearances. He's got 
and he struck out 12 times. You know, that's the big, that's part of it too, is, you know, you have a lot of times where you're not hitting the ball. It doesn't matter how hard you hit it in the times. Otherwise, you're right. The context matters. Um, and I don't know. I mean, we look at, again, batting order is not a, a huge thing, except for the point that you have to complain about it every day on Twitter. Um which is requirement, by the way, to have a Twitter account. I don't know if you knew this or not, but <laughs> I must have um, I must have missed that memo. I've been slacking. Yeah, a che- bit. better check the um, terms of conditions <laughs> right, right. and stuff. Um, but it, it is still kind of awkward to see a guy like Paul DeYoung who's struggling, a guy like Matt Carpenter who has struggled for a while, being right there in the heart of the lineup, which feels like it would short circuit you know, opportunities. Now the flip side of that is everybody hitting behind them isn't necessarily lighting it up either. (laughs) So I don't know if it matters that much, even more so than what batting order does, but I don't know. And we don't want Mike Schilt to just, you know, throw everything out the window on an over to four day, but it also feels like there's gotta be some acknowledgement of some of this isn't working. Yeah. It's a, a little bit chicken or the egg for me in terms of the lineup because do you do you change the lineup in order to jumpstart the offense or does a jumpstarted offense result in a change in the lineup, right? If Dylan Carlson was tearing it up, mm-hmm. well, he'd probably claim one of those spots without question. Now, he's had moments where you're like, hey, there he is. That's the guy we've been waiting for. But it hasn't been particularly consistent. Right. The The idea is, and I kind of made this point the other day, that the, the lineup debate is one thing, but ultimately you're, you're arguing about who do I want to strike out first? <laughs> and I don't think it really matters at that point. If, if that's really the, the most likely scenario, do I want Paul DeYoung to strike out before Dylan Carlson or Matt Carpenter strikes out? I don't know that it really matters unless somebody makes enough of an improvement that you can lengthen. Because look, the top three maybe haven't been out of this world good, but they've been pretty solid. And the problem is behind them in not being able to lengthen the lineup. But with the exception, as you mentioned, of Yadier Molina, who <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what's happening there. He's Benjamin buttoning or something, but uh, he's making it work when other, other guys aren't. But we know that that is, um, maybe not where he's going to land and kind of live consistently. So other than that, there is so much inconsistency. There is so much turnover. There is so many, there, there are so many strikeouts. So does the, does arbitrarily moving someone up in the lineup make an impact on the success of the, the, offense or does someone somewhere else in the lineup who turns it on or gets hot or whatever the what are the phraseology as you want to use does that then jumpstart a change in the lineup i don't know that i have a great answer for that except to again say if at the end of the day what we're arguing about is who's going to strike out first mm-hmm. <laughs> i think there are bigger problems than the lineup well yeah i mean and it's we talked about it. We mentioned it in passing on on Meet Me Mutual this week. But the idea has always been the higher up that 
Yadier Molina has to bat in your lineup, the worse <laughs> off you are. Because, I mean, Yadi's hitting fourth right now, in part because he's hitting really well. But you'd really like to have Yadi hitting that well in the sixth or seventh hole mm-hmm. because everybody else is doing well enough to not have a slow-footed catcher hitting cleanup. Um, a 39-year-old <laughs> slow-footed catcher. <laughs> not that you could tell, but... Um, so I don't know. I mean, I hope that some of this does start to fall. And again, you know, there have been balls we have seen in the last week or two that might have, you know, left the ballpark in June that don't in April when it's a little bit cooler. So there's a little bit of that, but you know, if you're basing your offense on wait till it gets hot, not wait till we get hot, then, you know, it's a little bit, or, a little bit disconcerting. Or what I keep hearing is that's a home run in another ballpark. <laughs> Yeah, that's great. That doesn't that again. That's a fun fact. It does not change results. So I don't know why that's particularly valuable. That little pet peeve of mine, like, okay, cool. But they're not playing there. So yeah, it doesn't. Good story. It's like the old, the old, uh, the joke that it wouldn't have been a home run in some ballparks. Right. One Yellowstone. (laughs) Um, So, yeah. And, And you do wonder at some point in time to you know kind of go with that if if the walls get moved in and stuff like that but that's a it bush especially if um you know it looks like arenado and goldschmidt are struggling there but that's you know this offseason next offseason that's way down the line you gotta you gotta figure out a way to do (laughs) things now um and i just don't know what that's gonna be so um you know this week doesn't help. They run into Max Scherzer. Uh, they run into Joe Ross, who already shut him down once. Um, you know, it's, you know, the start of the week is not promising. And, you know, we'll see how that goes. Um, but hopefully, you know, something will come of it. And again, they're not playing in Bush, so maybe that'll help some. And we've seen, like you said, that that can click. I mean, the two wins that they had this week, they scored 12 runs and nine runs. Um which kind of leads us a little bit to the other side of the equation. Sometimes they need those because yes. the pitching staff isn't what we're used to. Um, the starters finally pulled ahead of the bullpen this week. I think it's about a about an inning or so gap between the two of them. Um, we've still only seen Jack Flaherty go into the sixth, and he's only done it once. Or, well, at least get it out in the sixth. John Gant went questionably into the six one time, but didn't get anybody out there. Um, the bullpen has been for the most part, good, except for well, Andrew Miller at times and, and a few others here and there. But again, you, you never thought you'd see more innings out of Tyler Webb than you saw at, at, a, at a Wainwright this point in time. And I don't know if that's true, but it feels like it's true. Yeah. Um, what is it? I mean, can, and now they're talking, you know, they're going to go to that six-man rotation here when they have like 17 games in a row, which is good in the regard that, you know, it doesn't overtax your starters, but it's not likely to help the whole, we've got to get long <laughs> outing set of our starters. Uh, you know, we watched Aaron Nola today go, you know, nine innings and just a little bit over 100 pitches. And it's like, wow, I mean, that's four innings for some of our guys. So is there is there a fix there? Oh, boy. Well, first of all, this is why many of us were concerned about the pitching in the offseason. The, the 
the way that this organization kind of balances potential and you know execution always seems to skew towards potential in where they they're willing to take their chances um the the idea that the cardinals probably needed another battle-tested starter was kind of dismissed as well but we just got nolan arenado mm. which is not related at all <laughs> i don't know if uh i don't know how else to say that um if the the starting pitching can't stop runs from scoring, uh, the the Air, Nolan Arenado is still not going to be able to save the day. Yeah. Um, the the inability to go deep into games is certainly concerning because while the bullpen has some tremendous strengths, those middle inning guys, those you know, not our our best three or or however many you want to put in that elite group are not exactly consistent and we know that um Mm -hmm. we've seen that already this season that kind of that middle group they're not really the guys that you want to rely on in the third or fourth inning to kind of save the day especially repeatedly so the Adam Wainwright thing's a little bizarre to me because he did look so strong this spring um, I, I'm not looking at the numbers in front of me now, but I believe the the Cardinals pitching staff, uh, they're, they're not throwing a whole lot of, of strikes compared to what is normal. Um, and, and throwing a lot of pitches <laughs> and, you know, whether that's being, um, predictable in their pitch selection, I wouldn't think that's the case because Yadier Molina has been around long enough to, to, you know, call a pretty good game i think at this point but the execution isn't there and it's pretty much down the line it was good to see jack flaherty do what he did in his last outing but you know getting an out in the sixth inning or even getting to the sixth inning is not exactly where these guys want to end up being and it's not where this team is really built for them to be that yes they do have some guys in the bullpen that can lengthen that a bit uh, but you don't want to depend on that five days out of five days mm-hmm. um that's not how any team is really built except for perhaps the milwaukee brewers because they kind of choose to have short starts by design and you know base their their outings for their guys on a number of outs that the guy needs to get and once he gets that number of outs it doesn't matter how many pitches he's thrown it doesn't matter what inning it is he's done for the day um which is an interesting philosophy and one that they've you know managed to make work better than I think a lot of us would have expected it to, but that's not really how this Cardinals team is built. And it's not the philosophy of their, their pitching um, staff. So your question was, (laughs) what's the problem more or less? (laughs) I certainly couldn't tell you from, uh, you know, a, a, well, here's what this individual guy is doing that isn't working perspective in part because uh, Bally sports Midwest and Metronet (laughs) cannot get it together. And I still cannot watch baseball games. So that's a fun uh, experiment, but also because, you know, it's very difficult to make the assumption that I could better diagnose what's happening (laughs) than those who are paid to be on staff to notice what is happening. And, you know, they're just not 
executing well enough. That's it's the <laughs> it's the um the line from the Disney movie Brink that's just skate better. <laughs> that's what you need to do. Just skate better. Well, what's wrong with them? They're just they just need to pitch better. And that's not helpful for anyone. So I will leave the uh, in-depth analysis of what's what and who's doing what ineffectively. Uh, probably, first of all, the people who can actually watch them pitch. <laughs> that seems like a good place to start. Um, but I, I will say this is the very concern that I think a lot of us had was that each guy in the rotation is full of potential to shut down major league lineups, each guy in the rotation has shown themselves to be beatable. And that's the version of them that we've seen for the most part to start the season. Yeah. And in fairness to the front office, um, you know, we all, a lot of us wanted them to go out and sign somebody like Jake Odorizzi. Um, Jake Odorizzi after two starts has a 10.57 ERA and hasn't gotten out of the fifth. Um, See, he would have been perfect. Fit right in. <laughs> yeah, that's the problem, unfortunately. And and then we're complaining about how they, you know, go wasting money and walking somebody and Daniel Postilion could have done that and blah, blah, blah. Um, because we are never actually satisfied. That's actually true. Yeah. But, I mean, and that is part of the problem, though. I mean, they're kind of stuck with what they've got. I mean, you know, if there's a veteran starter out there that isn't on a team, he's not ready to go. I mean, you could sign somebody tomorrow, but he's not pitching before into May, probably. Um, you've got to kind of deal with what you've got. Um, well, and it, it would help if they didn't have to be quite so perfect in order to allow the offense to have a chance to keep up. So that that would if they if they could have a little more cushion now and then it would probably help to some degree. Yeah. Um I will say it's a little bit interesting. It feels like, you know, today they lost two to nothing. And and granted, it was a situation where they did not put up any offense against Aaron Nola, which is not unexpected. But it was really actually one of the few games that it felt like was close, you know, at the end of games. Like a a normal game because they have won yeah. so many games where they've, you know, won and put up so many runs and they're up ahead and all that. They've lost a lot of those kind of games too. It doesn't feel like there's been a whole lot of just <laughs> quote, quote, regular baseball, you know, yeah. the five to twos or the, or the two to nothings or something, something where, you know, you're a bloop and a blast or, or something of that nature right close to the games. Even when you may not be, you know, hitting on all cylinders, you're still kind of in the game. It feels like it is, truly feast or mammon with this team that if they're if they're good they're great and if they're not they're terrible and there's not a whole lot in between yeah and that's uh not a great way to try to <laughs> to try to uh get yourself off to a strong start as far as the the standings are concerned good news for the cardinals though is that well the nl central's not real great so it's not as if they're they're buried after the first couple of weeks of the season there are plenty of other teams in the division who are having issues of their own and who will continue to likely have issues of their own uh because of their own roster and the construction thereof so it's not like the the cardinals are in over their heads as far as the division is concerned but that all or nothing that you know flip a light switch and you look great 
and then somehow someone walks by and flips the light switch back off and you know who knows what happened to uh that team that we saw the day before that's one not particularly well theoretically since i can't watch it's not particularly (laughs) fun to watch uh that that wide swinging ability um and two it's just it's not a great way to to establish any sort of rhythm and and i know there are people who don't believe in momentum in baseball i kind of (laughs) do i think that it plays some role when you know you you can kind of settle into the way things are are working successfully and that's just not really been the case so far yeah i mean you're right there are there are two games behind the reds or a game behind the brewers there's a decent chance i mean the cardinals go to washington for three they come home they host the reds for three there's a decent chance i wouldn't necessarily bet on it but a decent chance by the time we're talking next week they're a first place team right um but it is going to take a lot more of that consistency that we have not seen yet um and maybe maybe this is the week. At some point in time, it's going to kick in. I know we don't want to necessarily talk about like the 2019 Nationals as some sort of blueprint for success when they started off, what, 19 and 31 yeah. and then ran their way to the World Series. Um, but it also does say that, you know, it's early. Yeah. Um, and that's the best thing. If I mean, if you're in a division, if the Cardinals were in the division with the Dodgers who are 13 and 3, then yeah, you're a little bit more concerned, but you know, right now with everybody fighting around that 500 mark, you know, they at least have a chance to try to figure out what's going on and maybe they catch fire and take off. And if not, well, they're still probably not buried enough that they can't make some sort of moves, but we will have to see what those moves will be as this, the week comes along. Um, be with you next week to talk all about it. So for until then for Tara, I'm Daniel. Good night. Hey, Cardinals fans, thanks for listening to this week's show. If you liked what you heard, you can find us on iTunes. Just search Gateway to Baseball Heaven under Podcasts and click subscribe. While you're there, feel free to give us five of those little gold stars or even a quick review. And tune in next time as we break down another week in Baseball Heaven.